Hey guys, on today's show, we've got a great, great lineup of guests. Uh, we talked to Nick Alonzo about his new movie, The Art of Sitting Quietly and Doing Nothing. Uh, Dustin Pueller also comes back to talk about his latest horror flick called In a Moment. And then we are lucky to be joined by a very strange man with a diet that will change your life. That's all coming up today on No Coast Cinema. What's up, everybody? You're listening to No Coast Cinema here on WGN+. Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we're always, always, always excited to have you back here for another week of Chicago Film Conversation. Connor, what have you been up to this week? Oh, you know, I've just been uh, getting slowly sick with all of the weather changes. And oh, yeah. I've been just uh, watching some, you know, watching some terrible television to make myself feel better about it. Like what? Um, well, I started watching Friends. Not to say that Friends is terrible, <laughs> but uh, I've seen it. I've seen it before, and I uh, I sort of have a love hate relationship with those kinds of sitcoms. Um, I think that David Schwimmer Ross, that's his name, right? Right, right. Ross might be um, the most annoying character on television yeah. ever, apart from perhaps Andy Bernard, as portrayed by. <laughs> Ed Helms, I I legitimately can't stand Ed Helms in almost anything, um, really? especially on The Office, dude. I, yeah, have you so, been, have you watched that show recently? The Office, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a show about a bunch of shitty guys. Yeah, like, exactly. Bunch, hey, look at all these white dudes just being shitty to everybody. Yeah, minorities, women, no matter what. You yeah, know, just. Just treating people like, but it's okay though because Jim loves Pam, and it's just so awkward, right? I mean, it's just so endearing. Yeah. I'd I'd call him almost abusive. Oh yeah, Jim. absolutely. Especially well, oh Jim. Yeah, Jim, I call Jim abusive in some ways emotionally. Yeah, he's a little bit of that kind of soft boy. Certainly Dwight. Yeah, and he he abuses Dwight. Man, John Krasinski has really uh, come out of the woodwork. Here, another another comedian who has gone and crossed over into horror. Yeah, yeah. Did you see a Quiet Place yet? I haven't seen it, but it's uh, it's getting that like Get Out reception almost of sorts yeah in terms of people weren't sure how it was gonna land yeah and it's landing pretty well i mean it's not gonna win oscars like get out but i think it's a good it's a good horror movie i think it's tense i think it's thrilling at times and it's a tight 90 <clears throat> minutes it's not going to take up too much of your time and yeah. uh, john krasinski is he's quite good in it um oh you've seen it yeah i saw it and he's quite he's quite good in it and i gotta say he's got a little bit of that directorial eye he knows what he's doing and it's uh you know he's lucky to be married to someone like emily blunt who is so talented and And tom speaking of directorial eye we do have two uh fascinating guests also with eyes who are also directors i know we well we got to get out of this krasinski kick how do we do that (laughs) Uh, transition. So, our guests today are two people that have been on the show before, two great directors, both with new projects coming out. It's going to be Nick Alonzo with The Art of Sitting Quietly and Doing Nothing, and Dustin Pueller with In a Moment. Guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having hello, us. Hello, hello. Um, oh, that's good. You guys have a really nice NPR voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We should get you guys some coffee so you can hear you sipping on lo- oh, yeah. in real time. Yeah. Well, yeah. The so on I brought you. Oh, there you go. Are we allowed to have candy those, cigarettes? Are those candy, candy cigarettes? cigarettes? Yeah. Are we allowed to smoke? Can I bum here? one, man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm trying to cut down, man. Well, you were just over at Dylan's Candy Bar. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Streaming and live for the, all the world to see. I can't believe that this was a thing that people <laughs> did. 
Is this is we're like all kids, gonna, kids in the fifties were ridiculous. We're just gonna chain smoke right now. Yeah, all right. Victory candy cigarettes. <laughs> do Do you think that this was an actually good Thanks, a babe. good tactic to get people to start smoking? Oh, now where's I, the filter and I'm where's sure. the? Oh, um, it's it? unfiltered. Oh, I see. Oh my god, so, so it doesn't. Style. Actually, no, it's old style. <laughs> all right, uh, both of you have new projects coming out. I want to jump uh, to you, Nick, starting mm-hmm. with the art of sitting quietly and doing nothing. Um, it is. Uh, I had a really hard time trying to describe what this movie was. I have a bunch of notes, just kind of like about the themes and stuff. Mm. It is, if you just put it in your own words, what is this movie about? Um, I would say it's focused. It's a post breakup film. That's like how I describe mm-hmm. it to most people. Um, but yeah, it just focuses on a character who is living in the woods, and it cuts from flashback to flashback of like what his life was before, and you start kind of piecing together that. It's all because of a woman. Um, and I think the reason why I was trying to go towards that idea, because um, I just think that I'm not the most romantic guy in the world, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to vent out some feelings that I had, like, you know, in the past. And I think everyone's had weird relationships with certain people. Yeah. Right. Um, so I just wanted to vent all of that, but, like, kind of do it in a more comedic way. But um, I don't know. I sent the film to a few people, and... Um, they said like, oh yeah, it's really funny, but then at the end it's really like sad and depressing almost. And I think that's sort of a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. but I just don't want to give the impression that I'm sad and pathetic or anything like that. No. And, and by, <laughs> by the way, man, um, when I was watching it last night, uh, I, it, I just want for the people listening, it opens up with, uh, this scene that this extended essentially like it's covered, but it's essentially a masturbation scene. Yeah, yeah. I was watching it with my roommate and we were cracking up yeah. while we were watching it <laughs> and good. it just like, it keeps going yeah. as well, yeah. which is great. But, uh, something I wanted to, to mention, which I really, I found, um, and I'm finding lately when I'm watching some like indie comedy mm-hmm. dramedy kind of films is the, and and this is something i think that the film does very well is its ability to find humor in the mundane oh yeah yeah. and i just i thought that you captured that perfectly thank you yeah Yeah. um i think when it comes whenever i kind of have ideas for films um i do find a lot of interest in mundane things and um i kind of focus on like the little things that a lot of people aren't paying attention um that one specific scene like i kind of told myself i'm like i really want to open the film very like straightforward but also like funny but like not trying too hard and i thought like the character masturbating would be funny for most people (laughs) it puts off a little like puts off like some people i know like were a little like weirded out by it um even the um the actor playing the character was like really um nervous about it because it was like five other people behind like (laughs) yeah watching him pretend there was was times where we were telling him okay do a little more like stroking a little bit harder or whatever (laughs) Um, give it the long jerk i I did want a play-by-play of the direction for that scene but we can move past that yeah it's uh it's a really interesting movie because let just to give a little bit more context uh throughout the film we're kind of getting these cuts between where the character Carl is mm-hmm. now in the woods mm-hmm. alone, just kind of doing whatever, and uh, some flashbacks to his time being in the city. Mm-hmm. And I found this really great theme of the urban versus the natural. Mm-hmm. Um, right out of the gate, something I noticed was his Pink Floyd t-shirt. He's yeah. wearing his Dark Side of the Moon Pink Floyd t-shirt, which we get a little bit of an origin story for. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, 
just looking at that and where he was in the in nature i found it to be this weird visual representation of just like this guy totally out of place like that that specific album cover to me speaks to wow one of the most reproduced and consumable like Mm -hmm. t-shirts mugs all that kind of stuff and now here he is in the woods i think it really spoke to his kind of out of placeness if that's uh if that's a term to use but um, can you tell me a little bit about representing the two parts of this story, this Carl in the woods versus Carl in urban um, environment? I think it comes from like a personal aspect to it. Um, I think when it came to um, like kind of thinking about the idea for the film, I had this weird obsession with like, I think like everyone has weird obsessions with like diners or like woods or um gas stations like i don't know i'm kind of weird when it comes to specific things like that and for a while i was kind of like going to like certain parks and just kind of um i don't know how to explain it um enjoying nature i guess i just don't want to sound like you know sappy about it but uh, isn't it isn't that sad that like you're you're just saying yeah i went to the park yeah people be like oh what a fucking asshole yeah (laughs) he's going to the park i think it's like almost like a form of like relaxation almost uh and i um where i currently live there's a park nearby and i think when i was coming up with the idea um you know some stuff was going on in my own personal life and sometimes you just kind of have to walk away by like um like if you're working downtown sometimes you just don't want to be surrounded by buildings and people so i think going to the woods you kind of can you know relax and um, clear your mind a little bit um and i wanted to take that and put it into a film and i thought it would be smart to kind of do um cut from one scene to another and originally i was trying to do more like um like the film was going to be uh told differently where it was going to start with Carl already in the city and then he works his way up to going into the woods but i just thought that wouldn't be as effective instead of doing um flashbacks um but yeah i don't know it's just i think when it comes to urban life and like in the city i get bored with it mm-hmm. and um i kind of wanted to vent all that into a film and there was a an aspect the the flashbacks i think is something that is it can be difficult to you know capture that passage of time yeah and the transition and i think that you did that in a very smart way with the um the ambient noises Mm -hmm. of the forest Mm -hmm. that sort of kept it stayed there Mm -hmm. after it flashed to him being in his car Mm -hmm. going to going into his work and everything Mm -hmm. and i thought that that was just a, a very smart reminder for the audience yeah because yeah. you have to you know translate that you have yeah. to communicate that to them yeah, obviously sure. um and speaking of the other aspects of the like the sound of the film mm. i just want to talk about the score really quick oh who, yeah who did that um, because it was it was beautiful that is the very talented daniel fromberg um you can go to his website it's danielfromberg.com and believe it or not he's 17 right now what <laughs> yeah and he's very popular in um oak park that's where he's from and the kid like it's incredible because I've known him for a couple of years and I actually approached him for like, he was the only person that I wanted to score the film. Um, he came out with an album called, uh, Idioglossia and, um, it was very similar to the score, um, inside the film. But, um, I wanted, originally I was just going to take songs from his albums and just paste it into the film. Mm-hmm. But I just thought like, Oh, that's kind of lazy. Like I kind of want him to make it while he's watching the film. And, um, again, I've been in contact with him for a while. He's a really good friend of mine. 
Um, and over the years, he was just tr- trying to find his sound because um, I remember I was talking to him one time about like what he's going to do in the future as a career, and he's like, "Oh, I might go into business." And I'm like, "Dude, like <laughs> you're really good at music." And um, for a while, he was like promoting the album, and then he stopped. Um, I actually haven't seen him. Like I've only been exchanging emails and texts. Um, but I believe he's coming to the the screening um, when uh, in a few weeks um, from now. But um, yeah, now he's kind of found his sound. He's been coming out with like recent albums. And his last album was called um, Nausea, and it was um, a tribute album to Michael Jackson for some weird reason. But like it doesn't right. sound, it doesn't sound anything like Michael Jackson yeah. though. But it's cool. Yeah, I just really liked the way that the score. It was very very minor very like dark and ambient mm. uh at times atonal i just thought it did a really good job of capturing the like breakup the post breakup mm. vibe you know and i tried to go like towards uh, the route or uh, in dead man by jim jarmish uh i was watching an interview with him and he was saying that uh neil young did the soundtrack and how he did it is that he was just wa- playing it while watching it and like Jim Jarmusch was like a little nervous about that because he was just like, that's not really the right way to score a film. Mm-hmm. But it all worked out because that score for that movie that's like one of my favorite uh, soundtracks. So I just tried to do the same thing with Daniel. I was just sending him footage and saying, like, you know, play as you're watching the film instead of like, oh, well, I'll do this right here. Mm-hmm. Um, just almost like responding to the um, film. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite sequences was, comes closer to the uh, the end of the picture, which is uh, the animated kind of drug trip <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Uh, tell us a little bit how you got that made. Um, so this is it's funny, but um, the person that made that, uh, her name is Dominique Bloink, and she's from Britain. Um, I found her through Craigslist in Chicago, which was weird because I thought she lived in Chicago. Um, I think she was just posting in random forums. <laughs> and when I saw her reel, um, she did uh, like a couple like um, animated music videos for like Tame Impala and like a couple other things. Um, and this is her as like a fan of the um, the band or anything like that. But um, uh, I was going through her stuff, so I emailed her, just told her like what I was trying to look for, and those emails were going on since like probably when we finished filming, which was like in August of last year. Um, so um, it was just a matter of just sending her ideas. Um, the in the drug scene, there is like a um, a tree that looks like a penis, and um, that was my idea. Um, so uh, I, I can picture that email now. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like, hey, was, I'm gonna need a tree that looks like a, it was, like a cock. See, this is why we do this for it, these kinds of stories. It was really cool because like I literally sent her an outline. Like I didn't, I, I can't draw of at a all. Cock? Well, no, no, just like that was one part of the outline. It was like, okay, a tree that looks like a penis. And I was like a little nervous because I'm just like, I just don't want her to like to think I'm like some creep or anything like that. Mm. But she was able to literally get everything that I wanted. Um, I think only at one point she like uh, messed up one of the colors, so she had to go back to that. But uh, it's really cool because if you pay attention to the scene, the background texture is like actual paper. And how she does it, she. Like I guess like um, copies that I don't, again I'm not really too techy when it comes to this but um, she uses a blend of like uh, digital animation and then actual like um, paper like being um, like photocopied onto the computer and then um, drawing it digitally over it so it's kind of a cool um, process I wish she like I'm hoping that she could like send me like a video of how she was doing it or like a tutorial yeah. or something like that um, I've still yet to send her the film but she is like excited to see it and like it's really hard to get in contact with her because again the emails was the only way i could right right yeah so the person that's scoring the film perhaps the person that did that animated sequence and they will all be at the screening event that you Um, have i think 
uh, probably not Dominique, but uh, Daniel definitely will be there. And um, he, again, he's a really cool kid to talk to. He's a little shy, but um, it's, it's just, if you Google him, like you'll find so much material. And like there, there used to be a show called Chicago Go Go, I guess. Oh yeah, Chicago Go Go. Yeah, sh- yeah, he was on that, and it's like weird because like he's like maybe. 11 in it and he's just rocking out and like the yeah. transitions and it's like double exposure shots of him playing while like a bunch of kids are surrounding him while he's playing with a black background so it's yeah. really it's really odd to watch because like i know him like personally and like i feel like he gets embarrassed if i bring that up but uh he's a real cool kid so i recommend checking out his stuff um i do want to mention that you are going to have a screening of this over at the nightingale yeah uh, that's uh, 1084 Milwaukee for all you people here in the city. Um, 7.30 p.m. And uh, the Nightingale's a super cool spot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. are you excited to be getting yeah, this out there Yeah, no, people? yeah. I, I, um, like, again, I know some people, like, connected with the Nightingale, Raul Benitez, and then um, Kathleen Sox. I don't know if you ever met her, but she's a film critic. Um, uh, and, yeah, I, I was really happy that I was able to sc- set up the screening there and um um yeah i would rather have it there than anywhere else to be honest so yeah i mean support underground cinema yeah absolutely. It is. i wanted to ask about a little bit of the uh process of getting this film done how long did it take you oh. what was the budget like I, I know we're you know with chicago cinema most people are working on that shoestring budget mm. what were some of the frustrations about getting the film done um so this is the first time i'm ever mentioning it in like publicly but believe it or not the film was reshot so before the final product product that you guys saw, um, there was a total different actor, um, sort of a different story structure, different camera. Um, and we shot that original film from 2016 of September and then canceled the whole project around June of 2017. And it wasn't really canceled. It was more like I fired the main actor. And I'm not yeah. going to say names just because. Sure, yeah, sure. You know. um, but it just wasn't working out on my part and then with the other people um i think people weren't going to be um well weren't being as dedicated as they were from the start um so it was a big risk factor to just kind of like hey let's just reshoot the whole thing um but at the time i was working um at the starbucks and i was able to kind of work around the schedule because i was working from like 4 a.m until 11 a.m so from 12 until like 5 i had a bunch of like time to just shoot and um we shot uh different parts of the city like um one specific place is West Ridge Park Reserve, which is, um, I think that's off of Belmont on the red line, I believe. And in the film, we just made sure we were shooting at different levels because if you actually, like, if you were to be there and, like, just kind of, like, stood up, you would have saw, like, the streets, basically. <laughs> and um, it was kind of um, annoying to film there just because a lot of people were just, like, walking by and asking. Right. Um, but certain scenes, like the masturbating scenes, like, we did that, like, like in LaGrange and like there's nobody around smart yeah um, but yeah but um it was really um interesting to kind of just reshoot something but it almost felt like it was the original film was like a dry run and like we were um doing something and again like at one point I was just thinking to myself like I don't think this is working out and like um it was either just stop shooting or like just cancel the whole film or just kind of like um redo it and I believe the newer version's a lot better than what it originally was supposed to be. And I, like, I felt a lot more content. Like, I could actually watch it, so that's All good. Right. Yeah. That's good. Got to yeah. be able to watch your own art. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. And I wanted to, I did want to ask, because we've all, like, saved over shit. We've all, like, lost things that we yeah. were working well, on and yeah. have to redo it. Yeah. Did you you feel better about this yeah, version? Yeah, much better. And it's just, like, I think 
and I'll say one thing, the original person playing Carl um, was a little bit too demanding for no reason. Um, mm-hmm. And he wasn't like a big actor or anything like that. He, um, he, he was a friend, a really good friend. Um, but I think over time, he was just trying to morph it into something that he wanted instead of like, oh, okay, it's not my idea. It's not my film. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just the actor. And um, I will say, like, the new guy, um, Alex Serrato, he um, did a lot more than what the original actor was doing. And, like, uh, quote, um, Alex Serrato, he told me, like, when we were about to shoot, he said, well, like, if you don't want me to, if you want me to, like, eat shit like i'll do it but i won't do it like he's a really weird (laughs) he just brought that up yeah he's a a really weird guy and he's also like a good friend and he's also my roommate um but he's just very um he's interesting and weird so it was really cool that i literally and what was also great is that he was around when we were originally shooting the original film so he kind of like pieced together like how the film's supposed to be and what the scenes were going to be like he knew he was going to masturbate yeah he had he had that little bit of that background knowledge so help you build on it um before we start to move on to uh dustin i want to again plug plug the screening may 4th Mm. 7 30 p.m at the nightingale that's 1084 milwaukee avenue here in Chicago for all you Chicagoans. And uh, I want to – one final question. Um, what do you think your movie says about urban anxiety? Because I think that's the really big – Just a quick one. Th- just a quick one. Big philosophical question. But, like, <laughs> that was the major theme that I gathered from it. You know, within the breakup, it is tied to this sort of anxiety about being in a place like Chicago, being in a big city. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think that your your film or what do you think you might have been saying about that urban anxiety with the art of sitting quietly? Um, I mean, and hopefully this like comes out right or makes sense, but um <laughs> it will. Um you know, um actually, you know, I I could like kind of uh, specifically point out a scene. Um at the end of the film, if you notice, um Gloria, the character who plays the ex-girlfriend, she's wearing a blue um, scrubs, uh, like Dr. Scrubs. And then also Alex is wearing, uh, or Carl's wearing a blue shirt. And I don't know if you've ever heard of, like the quote from um, Carl Sagan, um, pale blue dot. Uh, how do, oh, yeah, he, like, like the earth is just a pale blue yeah, dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of like evoked that idea. And like it kind of sounds depressing because like that whole quote is just about like how earth is just a pale blue dot and like nothing really matters at the end and like i was reading about a lot that at the time and now i'm just like sometimes i look back at it and i'm just like oh that's kind of depressing um so i guess when i apply that into the film i think like the message at the end of the film is just like like you kind of have to move on by certain things and even like the quote or the title of the film is from a quote where it's just like you know you have to sit quietly and do nothing and like have life pass on or anything like that um so Again, I don't know if this is making any sense, but um, no, it does. Um, yeah. I think like at the end of the film, what I hope people kind of get from it is that like no matter whatever you're going through, or even if it's a girl, a guy, or like you lost your job or something like that, like things kind of just pass on and you just kind of like move on to the next thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel that way in a weird way, and like yeah. I try to speak through it through a film instead of like having the actual conversation with people because i just don't want to like be a debbie downer or anything like that um but yeah i don't know i think the film um i think it's kind of the most interesting work i've made and like the most like serious film uh so far and i'm hoping like i could build from that and like kind of 
dig deeper into like certain ideas. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, yeah, and like it's a really loaded question to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, once everybody gets to see it, I think they're going to be asking themselves. I think it's one of those films that has you ask um, that question of yourself. It's yeah. not. It's not Nick Alonzo giving you the answer. Oh, it's Nick yeah. Alonzo saying. Ask yourself this question: Can you? Can, it's almost like the book he's reading. Can yeah. you survive in the woods? How to survive in the woods yeah. when you're in there? Uh, Nick, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. The film um, looks beautiful. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, looks great. We hope that we can make it to that screening, man. Yeah, yeah, and there definitely will be more planned screenings in um, the near like this summer. So great. So, um, Keep yeah. an eye out. Yeah. Is there a place where people can follow the film? Oh uh, yeah, uh, the Facebook page. Um, I'm trying to start up a website. It's just man, this takes forever. Yeah. Um, but it's facebook.com slash the artist city quietly and doing nothing. Um, you can find um, updates on the film. Um, there's going to be a new updated trailer up there too. So once that's up, people can check that out. And like anything about um, reviews or um, film screenings will be up there as well. Excellent. Thank you again. Nick Alonzo, writer, director of Art of Sitting, The Art of Sitting Quietly and Doing Nothing. All right, you're back here on No Coast Cinema. Tom Hush, Connor Cornelius. Oh, okay. Well, talking. I thought that was my bad. No. Okay. No, I just... Fine. No, please. No, just say your, just you say, what, say your name. You know, I got... Okay. Let's just... We <laughs> Takes can, a we, puff of his uh, candy cigarette. <laughs> I... Yeah. Tired of this shit. See, I do like the... Thank you for bringing those, Dustin, because I... Uh, Need effect. Whenever I do smoke a cigarette, the rare occasion where I smoke a cigarette, I do find myself wishing that instead of just throwing it into a dumpster i could just eat it and just consume it all i could just consume all of it i mean something tells me that you could like and maybe can, you should try maybe should try there's is, probably is half the amount of chemicals in this and there is a eating uh, butt of a cigarette then <laughs> <laughs> We'll just have to uh, we'll, check that one out. We'll post that on Facebook Live in a bit. Um, <laughs> Mythbusters, can you eat an actual cigarette and not die? <laughs> All right. Uh, Dustin Bueller, he is uh, one of the most fascinating filmmakers I think we've met. Um, last time you were here, we talked about your, your film, uh, The Year 4000. Mm-hmm. And Connor and I actually got the chance to head out to uh, Cinema, Cinema Obscura. Obscura. Shout out, John Davies. Um, oh and we got to watch the year 4000 with a big group of people um obviously you were there and um i i literally don't know how to describe the experience of watching that project so it's a it's like a surreal sitcom that takes the sitcom family through parallel realities parallel universes basically Mm -hmm. and uh all of the visual insanity that goes along with something like that yeah it was so involved so much fun to watch and now you're back again with in a moment which is a movie that is uh it is terrifying in some ways and hilarious sublimely (laughs) hilarious in others good i'm Uh, I'm glad that you were able to laugh at parts of it oh yeah yeah just really quickly give us your overview of what in a moment is how would you describe in a moment I would say that it follows uh, two separate stories, one of almost like a gypsy-like Midwestern caravan of synthetic synthetic drug uh, uh, dealers, 
while at the same time in small town America there is a uh, a, a budding romance between two guys um, through an online dating service, and it's about both of those stories colliding um, out of nowhere just due to bad luck, mm-hmm. and so then it becomes a situation where one of them is uh, captured by the drug dealers and how one of them will go and save the day. Tell us a little bit about doing in a moment, making it, where did some of the ideas come from and um, tell us about the film itself. Yeah. um, We, well, it just started. We were like, all right, let's make a a horror film. And we were examining our resources because we only spent $2,000 on the movie. Um, Really? Yeah. Yeah, Wow. And uh, so um, I have a lot of resources from like small town, Michigan. So we're like, all right, let's go out there. What's interesting in small town areas. And, the first thing I thought of was like the invasion type horror movie. Yeah. So I was just trying to think of a way to play with that. And um, yeah, and then it just kind of came pretty simply from that. We just kept trying to think of things that maybe we haven't seen in that genre. And then uh, while at the same time imbuing it with the comedy, which I'm glad you're able to to laugh at parts of right, it. Because yeah. I, I think that just uh, what we wanted to accomplish is just seeing characters, good and bad, and just seeing the good guys do weird, bad stuff the bad guys make you laugh but also do really bad things and i don't know we just wanted to make something that was really character based in like the horror genre and um yeah that just ended up i mean connor when he after he watched it he just hit me up he's like you need to see this right now this is uh, we were excited to watch it and i was you know i'm doing whatever i'm making notes getting notes ready and connor's just like you have to watch this right now uh connor tell us about your experience okay so Okay, so as I was watching it, um, I I loved the, I don't know how to describe it, like the B-plot, I guess, of the two dudes in the webcam. As I was watching it, I was just imagining, like, I can't, ima- I can't remember a horror movie that had uh, two gay guys in it. Or people that were, like, str- like, I hadn't seen that struggle of, like, being, you know... Um, uh, a gay person there's a scene where he like comes out to his dad i believe and there's a scene where they're struggling with uh the you know difficulties of being homosexual in um, modern society and i just i couldn't believe how well that worked into just like the insanity of the other side of the other plot of your character uh, I can't remember what his name was, but his gang of people just going busting into people's houses and murdering them for some for some made up drug. Yeah, which I want to talk about. Was that <laughs> baking soda and vinegar? Oh yeah, like that and food coloring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I, was. <laughs> I wanted to approach it the same way that like I don't know nineties uh, like anti weed like PSAs go. Where I get not even anti weed, just any drug. Where it yeah. was just so intense not to promote any drug but <laughs> no uh, but like that dare program level yeah. of paranoia oh exactly yeah and i think this is a movie that is paranoid it just has this kind of paranoid sense to it i mean even the scene and we have to talk about your your not just your directorial abilities <laughs> but your acting ability is bar none yeah uh, the scene, thank you <laughs> the scene i i will say that for me, I was just uh, having a fully aesthetic experience with it. I was trying to glean the plot, but I was just like, okay, I just want to see what Dustin's seeing and and feel what he's trying to get me to feel. And uh, towards the beginning, that scene with you and the the older woman. <laughs> oh yeah, where you. <laughs> yeah. I just I couldn't believe how sinisterly uh, sexual you were. I don't know how <laughs> I else know. to put it. I was. 
<laughs> and isn't get, she great? getting the guitar and you know well rock and roll actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell, oh, us, that, tell they, us about doing that scene and, and acting in your own movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, and that scene was so easy to do, in all honesty, because Pamela Straitman, she's just a great actress, and she's down for just anything. So we're like, all right, how do we make just this uncomfortable moment between these two to kick the movie off? And the movie was a lot longer than what it was, so it became like you know, an hour and 50 minute version that I like, but was well aware that maybe no one else would. So that original scene though, if you think that's like awkward and uncomfortable, it has a slow burn. That's like 10 minutes, which is so good, but unneeded. And, uh, no, we just sat down and it was like, uh, just an evening of filming. And, um, she is, she gives me the power in a scene like that to be able to be a big creeper because she's just so easy to work with. And and most of that scene is just improvised. So really? it's just us just kind of like sitting around and we had like the foundation, but we're just like, all right, let's just start being goony. So we just started rambling and, and saw what started sticking. And I thought that it was the use of comedy in a horror movie is a great way to sort of get away from what normal people would imagine what like breaks up the tension in a scene like so if it's a long shot down a hallway or something usually a normal horror movie would break that up with a jump scare or a sight of you know the killer or whatever and the way that you break up the tension is with like comedic little bits whether that's facial expressions or just sort of a really kind of strange line that seems out of place um why did you want to make was the inclusion of comedy in the horror film was that uh did that just come naturally or was it something that you set out to do from the outset yeah i mean it it was sneaking in with the script but i really wanted to like sell it throughout because things like so i don't know like the whole last 30 minutes like everything that happens to anyone who's bad their comeuppance everything that pays off i feel like I'm more interested in giving people complicated emotions. So if you see a villain do something that also makes you laugh, I'm interested in the nuance that's there. So seeing an evil person do something evil, sometimes in most movies for me, especially in a horror film, it's almost like you expect it. So it isn't even about connecting with them through the comedy, but I just much prefer someone. It's like someone that frustrates you in real life and you're like, oh, what they did was pretty funny. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I just like tapping into those sort of nuances as well. So I feel like the comedy sure. makes even a character who might get killed later on a little more complicated because you've laughed with them, you've you got scared by them, you got. I feel like the more the more you layer those types of things, the payoffs just are so much more have so much more depth to them. And I think as a result of that, you you have a film that has the uncanny ability to unsettle. Like because you are not doing exactly what the audience might expect out of a horror movie, and I think um, that's what that's what makes it so interesting to watch. It was the same thing with the year four thousand. It's just it kind of it it you're just taking the audience for a ride. Do you when you when you make a film, do you take audience cons- you know thoughts into that? Do you want to give them you know an unsettling experience, or at least give them an experience that they weren't expecting? Yeah, I think that's like my main drive, especially at this point. I mean, because you always want to make something that's original. But I feel like sometimes, I don't know, my current interest is just dragging through people through so many emotions throughout that you've hit them on so many key levels. And I feel like that at this point in something like, I don't know, the the horror genre, I try to approach it. It's like, all right, what things am I not seeing? What can I do to contribute that that isn't really, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't say in the mainstream, but just that I'm I'm seeing in general from people. So, Tom and I are not filmmakers. The concept of making a movie is 
a Herculean task. I, yeah. I like it, it's, much less for two thousand dollars. Yeah, still oh, yeah. kind of shrouded in mystery. How do you even? How do you like? What's the process of taking an audience experience, building a film? while keeping the audience experience in mind like how do you do that maybe a complicated question but i feel like so for that um i try to think in terms of like um i don't know uh what i want to see and what i think is bizarre and then i have a whole process at the beginning where i feel like i have a team where i do a lot of pushback and bounce back and i feel like most of the times uh if there's something that they quite don't understand i like taking that away from it and seeing what i can do to get them to understand that visually and i feel like attacking it from that angle has made some of the things that i've made at least for me more interesting and i hope uh that more complicated for the the audience but i feel like at this point with most things i'm more interested in asking questions to get that like interaction from the audience whereas like um what can i leave them with to like ponder um through the experience um because i feel like uh that's a way to sort of have your movie live on in someone's mind because I, I don't really want to approach it in the way of like, what can I make that's going to last forever? Mm-hmm. What, what's going to just force in someone's brain? Um, yeah. So I guess, I don't know if that answers it or if I trailed yeah, it gives, it. shed some more light yeah. on the, uh, on the process. Yeah. But, um, you've clearly been, how long have you been making films might be just an easier way to answer that. Oh, uh, I, I think that like, um, most seriously, probably since like, probably like 2012 okay because um, i went to film school and everything but i mean i now i'm able to like look back at a chunk of time and be like all right my my education extended out of film school because you make a couple things at first and you're like all right these are won't show these to people but i feel like since 2012 has been like the most serious attempt at it pushing forward was there was you know speaking of film school some people that i've talked to that went to film school it seems to be a little bit of a dichotomy of you either really learned a lot in film school you're constantly collaborating with people from film school or when you got out you were just like yeah everything i learned was kind of basic and not where i wanted to go what what would you say that you got from film school i feel like the biggest reason to really go is just like networking and I feel like I made myself very like competent about that's where the money's going mm-hmm. because uh, I mean, I'm also from middle of nowhere, didn't have too much money. So the access access to equipment is great, especially back in 2005. But right now, I mean, whether you're going to do stuff on your phone or like a DSLR, the, the benefit to still going to an institution like that is realizing all the money you're going is for networking. So it's about really establishing those relationships because I wouldn't be able to make a movie like in a moment for 2000 if there wasn't like eight other people and we all sat down it's like all right we're all gonna work for free for like two weeks and put everything into it and getting that level of just like interaction i feel like you you kind of need to go through a regiment sometimes and make movies with people in sort of that structure and uh the in the credit sequence i mean you have a a bunch of people in this movie that are that are in this i wanted to ask um seems like you like you said you're kind of taking advantage of the resources that you have available to you but there are certain scenes in gas stations or you know exteriors in a gas station parking lot or something uh how much guerrilla filmmaking did you have to do uh and did you have to film anybody that wasn't actually like one of your friends that was did you just film like 
a gas station attendant and give them a quick couple of lines or something. I was just curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to, like, use the resources around me and being like, we filmed in the small town that I'm originally from and outside of it. There's a lot of people that just think it's cool. So they're just like, oh, cool, you got a camera set up. Yeah, I'll be in a shop and then just walk through the background. <laughs> and a lot of them have that authentic look without yeah. without without uh, addressing up. So, like, there's even a part um where uh they're like at the boat launch scene um where they're like sniffing the the drugs and you see this like shirtless guy just walk in the background that was just a passerby who was like begging us <laughs> like can i please be in this or whatever you're doing and it's like yeah sure Hop on in. yeah and we know that you have to get going and we have to bring in our other guest uh star of the astronaut diet here coming up sure. pretty soon but you do have a couple of screenings coming in in early june do you want to give us a little more information about that before you oh, have yeah. to go definitely so um our next short film is going to be called the astronaut diets and i'll even tease that we have one other short film that'll be premiering at an event uh june 8th at seven thirty at the den theater and the cool thing about this event is while we're premiering goodies, we're also taking submissions. So anyone who wants to screen something for free, there's no cost to it. You can hit up readyfreddyfilms at gmail.com and uh, submit away. We're just looking to put on like a really cool little festival, more so for something that I can tease at a later date. But these smaller ones are kind of building into something bigger that's on the horizon. So just a good way to like connect with other filmmakers and show off all the stuff that I think is awesome in the city. And for the people who can't uh, make it out for the to the Den Theater, which you should, yeah, we're giving you, you can get months of notice. Get over to the Den. <laughs> you gotta see. You gotta see in a moment on this big screen. Um, what is is there going to be any? I know you have uh, the year four thousand up for people to watch. Is there going to be another way for them to see it in a moment? Oh, absolutely. So, um, uh, they can check it out through your guys's website right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can use the code. I was going to have you guys create the code. What what sort of code would you like for your listeners? Ooh. All right. Um, why don't we do? Uh, let's uh, let's let's make the code no coast all lowercase one word just no coast you got to be following ready freddy films that's dustin's production company uh you're on instagram mm-hmm. you're on facebook facebook you're on twitter linkedin link wait you have a- <laughs> no no oh i was oh. like shit <laughs> You're really that's ubiquitous. Uh maybe some skywriting in the future, you know, just little oh, updates hopefully. be like, you hopefully. know, in the clouds, sign spinning, screening tonight, den theater. Yeah. All that good stuff. Uh Dustin, thank you so much for coming back, man. Thank you. Appreciate we will it. we'll see you soon. And uh, so now I guess it's time for us to welcome our uh, our final guest, yeah. the star of the astronaut diet, uh, Doug. I'm sorry, Doug. What is your last name? Uh, my name is Doug Smear. Doug Smear. Doug Smear. Oh, okay. And, and we have a copy, a, a copy of this of book. the astronaut diet, Doug Smear. That's S M E E H R. And I I have to ask, is this an actual photo? There's a a very flattering photo of you. Um, that's a six pack. Just shirt open. It's beautiful. Tom, can I see that? I've yeah. been parsing yeah. through it during the it's break. It's as but... a result of the actual diet. So tell us a little bit about what the astronaut diet is. 
Well, the astronaut diet is a lot more than just your average diet. It's actually a means to um, get to what I call the new dimension. So it's the new uh, book that I put out, which is going to be covered in the new film by Ready Freddy Films. And it sort of is a whole experiment in self-help. So if you're depressed, are either of you depressed? Uh, yeah, little. Not, yeah, I think I, I might think be. everybody's I got a little bit of general I haven't really depression. reflected on it. But. So I brought a little bit of sample for you. The first stage of the whole diet is all about fasting. So I brought you some actual home-style uh, home astronaut food. Um, it's about taking your body down to the minimum amount of calories, so that way you can actually elevate to space thus the new dimension so i'm going to pass these around we have an ice cream sandwich for you guys to try as okay. well as um, my favorite the cinnamon apple wedges uh, these are delicious and actual things that actual astronauts eat okay oh my Tom, god why don't you toss one of those over yeah w- would you prefer the ice cream sandwich or the cinnamon apple wedges? i would say i'm trying, trying to take it easy on the all ice right, cream gonna, so i'll do the apple wedges if you can all right i'm gonna get a little just a little taste here you take these wedges all right thank you so I mean, so minimum amount of calories. I mean, yeah. what should what is the optimal optimal amount of calories? Um, so you want to get your body down to about seventy five pounds. Okay. <laughs> what is the uh, what is the caloric benefit of that? I just curious. Well, it's more about um, the more that you start to live inside of your mind, you start to live outside of your body. So once you bring down the calories that you take in, that you push out, you're not going to be able to live inside of your body anymore. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm eating this right now, Tom. I, know, I, think, I, I can... think maybe we should take a synchronized bite of this of these, yeah, apple, okay. of these wedges here. Which um, ones are you eating? The for wedges? the record, I'm doing the cinnamon apple wedges. Okay, mm. and I've got the ice cream okay, sandwich. Okay, let's hear that. Let's get that in there for... for... Mm. And I'm getting a... Uh, the texture is almost like, uh, like a rice cake. Um... And uh, just to be just to be clear here, Doug, you have only been eating this for uh, how long have you been doing this diet for? Well, in the book, we encourage you to go through a 30 day process. Um, I've been doing it for about 17 years, um, but I don't really expect everyone to be on the same level. That Seven, I'm well, you look great. 17 years. Yeah, 17 years. And just, so are you saying that you weigh about 75 pounds? Uh, yeah, but it's all muscle. If you see the cover of the book. No, no. <laughs> So uh, what is – so we, we've, we've got the end goal of the astronaut diet. Who, who would you recommend this for? Who well, needs to get on this diet? Kind of here's what I'm going through. So I have a couple lawsuits against me right now. Apparently people aren't able to take on the diet and it's ruining their bodies and they're starting to break down around day eight. So what I'm trying to really prove here to people is that this does work. So I'm actually doing – a whole regimen right now where I'm on day 17 and hopefully at about day 30 on the film's completion, you'll be able to see the whole process and I can get these lawsuits off my back. And I mean, <clears throat> I mean, you're just following the, the concept behind this must just be, this is what astronauts eat in order to like survive in the vacuum of space. And as everybody knows, I mean, it's hard to be an astronaut. You got to be like top point oh oh one percent. And I mean, you're just trying to bring that down here for the people on Earth. Oh, exactly. When I think of all the ways that I can help people, I'm thinking of what things are going to help people in the future in space. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. we're going to be in space. Well, that's yeah, that's the future. Exactly. And the only way to really help people and guide them along. because let's face most people are kind of stupid. Right. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of what most of the book is about, is taking all these lost souls here on Earth and trying to generate a way for them to actually live in the new dimension where that's where I've been. And that's where I feel happy. 
Well, as our viewers know, and uh, as Tom and I also both know, we're no dummies. No. Exactly. Not at all. So I think that... I mean, it could really help. I've kind of packed it on a little bit. Yeah, I can, do you think I can you could sign? A, could you sign us up right here? I mean, is that? Oh, absolutely. Um, so the book is only sixty-seven dollars. Okay. And then each packet of astronaut food is probably going to be. I mean, it's fairly cheap. So maybe about like seventy-nine dollars for a pack of three. And then we have a whole other list of products that you can find on the website. So you have to realize it is a fourteen thousand dollar commitment for the first month, but. We're in the self-help game, so if you're not willing to make the dedication to it, then we can't really make the dedication to you. No, I under I totally understand that, and you know what? I'm on board, Doug. I'm on board. Yeah, I'm on sign board. me sign me up for We're, nine. Yeah, nine what, right off the bat. what's the website that people can go to to get on this revolutionary diet? Oh well, I mean, the government's taking it down right now because I'm under investigation. <laughs> um, so right now, I'm just sort of using. I got my Tumblr blog up as well as uh, I'm doing Periscope kind of 24 7 trying to monetize that as much as i can okay. so uh yeah you just kind of got to google and find where i'm at they keep taking me down all right um do you have any do you have any sponsors <laughs> um see i used to um but right now uh i keep trying to actually get nasa to sponsor me but they say that i'm a, a crook um and, and a con man <laughs> and a snake oil salesman i mean and a that, huckster you're not that selling seems a l- snake oil you're selling astronaut food yeah Oh, no. Yeah. So it's not snake oil. And first off, snake oil actually isn't even that bad of a thing because you're going to see in the film, um, they do some good interviews with my father. And I learned a lot from him. Same with my brother. We're both in the self-help game. And my father sold snake oil for about 47 years. And you can use it for almost anything. uh, I have to ask, will this astronaut food uh, cure my impotence? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because it's not about the food curing you as much as the mindset that you'll be on once you eliminate all the needs of your physical body. Well, as you can see, Doug, my body is a mess, and I just need to get outside of it as soon as possible. Yeah. I mean, Th- if you want to look like the guy in the front of that book, then I would say sign up. All right. Thank you, uh, Doug. Well, Smeal. Doug Smeal. Smear. 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 Like the thing that, uh, you know, you put on like, a bagel. Yeah. Exactly. Or Dougie Smear Sr. Okay, the snake oil The famous salesman. Yeah, 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 the famous snake oil salesman. Right. All right, Doug Schmier, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Uh, Thank you all for another great week of No Coast Cinema here on WGM+. (laughs) Uh, We were so lucky. Thank you to Nick Alonzo. Thank you to Dustin Puehler for coming on. And, of course, Doug Schmier. Doug Schmier. Uh, We will see you guys all next week. Plenty of exciting stuff coming up. Uh, Keep a lookout on our Facebook page, NoCo Cinema Podcast. Uh, Twitter as well, NoCo Cinema. Instagram. Instagram. The Gram. The Gram. No. Before we scram, got to to tout the Gram. Got to tout the Gram. That's what we say. Uh, And don't forget to head on over to iTunes. Like and subscribe if you like the show. Uh, Again, thank you so much. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we will see you all next time. Yes, it's me, man, I know you can't believe it Play my verses in your brain like some cannabis sativa And I hear you wanna challenge me, that's cute little diva But hating is the past and that's exactly where I leave you I wonder paralyzed any obstacle in front of me In the game, I'm the mill and you're just the run of me I sterilize beats on account of vocal intercourse Two dimensions are colliding, I just open the door Lifted the more gifted and I'm head of the class I owe a debt to how you learn and it's the reason I pass Hardly a scholar in terms of science or math I devoted all my focus to my arts and crafts I devoted all my focus to my arts and crafts I devoted all my focus to my arts and crafts